Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Okay, so Ashley, Trey, thank you so much for being on the show today. I uh, I just want to start off right at the top that I am a customer. I discovered your brand last year during the COVID. I don't know that I went to Whole Foods more. It was like the outing, you know. It was like, oh, yeah. yeah. We were fighting to go to the grocery store. I never. I I've been with my husband 25 years. I he went to the grocery store like every other day if he could, you know, and um, you're. Uh, the ginger and my kid, my, one of my daughters really loved the peach, but I, um, I just want to say how much I appreciate, um, just your product right off the bat. And I, I do, I did notice that it had less sugar. And I know that, you know, for people listening, kombucha has obviously become very trendy in the last probably eight to 10 years. Um, I think I would say GT probably, you know, kind of paved some of the way there and definitely, you know, uh, but then if, you know, you talk to anyone from the sixties, they rolled their eyes a hundred times because, you know, they, they had the mother in their house, you know, the SCOBY. Um, but I, I did notice that your brand had, had uh, less sugar. And, and um, in fact, uh, you need a certain amount of sugar to get the party started, right? Like Correct. maybe, um, maybe just off the bat, um, I find it fascinating that the two of you both came from music. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, we can jump back into Better Booch and how you've gotten there, but maybe individually. Um, and I couldn't tell from the research. Did you, when, how did you two meet? Yeah. So we, like you said, are both touring musicians primarily. I mean, that's what we were doing before we started Better Booch. Um, separately though, we didn't know each other at the time when okay. we were touring. Yeah, we had we had a million mutual friends. We found out because, but we were all on different tours at different times. So we never we never met until we both kind of moved back to LA and decided to transition off the road. We had a lot of near misses though. We were all yeah. almost in the same room at the same time, and we found out later. No, mm-hmm. uh, and again, I'm I'm going to break each of your stories out, but I just I'm curious. Was it be, did you meet because of? I knew Trey was doing it, you know, doing better booch because of his, I mean, kombucha for his sister mm-hmm. and that you had worked in a traditional tea house, but it was mm-hmm. prior to that, right. That you had known each yes. other. Okay. Cause I was yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, we met. Um, yeah. So kind of what you just said, I mean, I, I worked in a tea house way before I was a touring musician professionally. Um, and then Trey's sister's battle with um, breast cancer was kind of like topical at the time, right around the time that Trey and I met. Um, and we, we met through mutual friends at a, um, at a, at an event that uh, a, a bunch party. of, yeah, it was a birthday party that a bunch mm-hmm. of our music friends were, were at. So we did finally meet <laughs> online dating apps even. So this is yeah. <laughs> 10 plus L- years made it right under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> lucky, lucky you. Lucky yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Trey, let's start with you because I, I feel like, and I've, you know, watched some of this, you're more um, 
I don't want to say I, it appears that you you'd hang back more. So let's start with you and talk about, you know, getting involved in music and then, um, you know, maybe realizing that that lifestyle is can be uh, people. It's funny. It's so glamorous, but people don't realize how hard it is. It's definitely anything but glamorous uh, for the most part, I would say, unless you just love sitting on buses and, and airplanes and schlepping suitcases around most of your life. Um, that's what you experience. You only play music more or less one hour of the day when you're a touring musician. The, the other 23 hours are something totally different. Um, so I actually started uh, out of college. I, I, I ended up dropping out of college because I started touring so much. I started a touring, almost like a booking agency tour management company out of my dorm room because I was going to school in Indiana where there is no music industry, right? And anything I could do to get on the road. I just started, I bought a minivan because I thought, you know, most bands don't own their own van. I'll offer my van as a way to like get on the road. And that actually worked. Um, the second tour I ever did was with a band called Lady Antebellum. And um, it was their first tour ever. It was really just, I mean, bars and clubs. And uh, it went so well with them. Um, they, they recommended me to a few other folks, but I ended up um, dropping out because Lady Antebellum uh, moved to Nashville and I moved there with them and um, ended up working with them for a little bit. And then kind of went on to be a guitar player for some other artists, um, primarily Lenka, who is an Australian artist, but was living in LA at the time. And I took that opportunity because I had kind of at that point already been all over the US and she was doing a lot of touring internationally. And I thought, well, that would be a great opportunity. Um, I'd really like to get overseas. Ironically, I really wanted to go to Australia where she's from. And in five years of working with her, uh, we never went <laughs> because she actually doesn't have much of an audience uh, there. But we went all over Asia and Europe and everywhere else. And um, you highlighted this earlier, but uh, I think Ashley and I both came to this conclusion where you're on the road with, you know, we were in our early 20s. And so it was an amazing opportunity. We, we were building a little savings for ourselves and getting paid to travel, which most people don't get. And uh, we got this opportunity to be kind of like six feet from stardom and see that uh, everything that comes with that, good and bad. And then also seeing the other folks in the bands who are typically in their, they were in their thirties, even forties at the time who were kind of missing their kids upbringing, missing weddings, missing events. And that's very, that was profound. I think for me, especially just seeing that and, and, um, realizing that that was an aspect of the the journey that I hadn't considered before really and uh, seeing it happen firsthand was profound and uh, had an impact on me so well, and it sounded touring. like it sounded like already in college in a way you already have the entrepreneur's gene right like yes. to be able to yes. put something together and be like oh I'll create a so it's an interesting thing because a lot of times they think it's an either or that artists um, because there's a certain level of um, organization and probably methodical systematic kind of approach to things when you're an entrepreneur but I but um, obviously and you guys know this it, it's it is high it's a highly creative process so it's an interesting thing that you already though were sort of had an entrepreneur's sort of mindset clearly um, even in, in college I'm just curious um, when you when you're really good at something like playing the guitar let's say but you think maybe I'm probably not going to be um, the main person, right? Um, but you, it's a, like you said, you travel, it's a great job um, and you get to express yourself. 
what is it that you're getting? Because there's a difference when you do something just for the creativity and then it's also the business part of it. What were you still getting um, from being a musician and in, and in the music? What was it, you know, for, for you? Well, another kind of epiphany I had was that as the shows got bigger, uh, the less connected I felt. And that thing that I loved from music was only getting further and further away. And it was only, we like to joke about this, one of our favorite um, venues in the world is the, the Rockwood Music Hall, which is an ironic name. It's in New York City. It's about the size of a closet. I mean, it's got, they pack maybe 10, 15 people in there, it seems like. And those were always the best shows we ever had. I mean, and same with Hotel Cafe here in LA, um, mm -hmm. very small venues that just get these really intimate settings and audiences who are, those were almost, those were always the, the most fun. And, and those were the memories that lasted for me. And so as we got to bigger and bigger stages and even like tens of thousands of people, um, it felt like looking at a television. You just, it, the crowd, even though there should be more energy for me personally, um, uh, I wasn't feeding off of that like I do in the smaller setting. So it was easier to walk away knowing that those smaller settings uh, would always kind of be there or when we wanted them to be there. And so uh, that was very helpful for me at least. Now, mm -hmm. Ashley, I love how when you said, oh, you know, we were touring artists, but you know, you you did backup singing for people like Rihanna. I mean, it's funny because people can say, oh, I, you know, I was a touring artist and people don't understand that a lot of people who are, you know, working behind very, you know, big names. Um, it's it's kind of, I mean, that's sort of interesting to be, um, you know, around that type of, you know, hot white light. Mm -hmm. does, does it make, for you, for you personally, did it make you move, like, go like, oh, maybe I really want to go for it? Or a lot of people look at it and think maybe, because I, I know for me personally, I'm not hardwired for like, that that intense white like you have to be a very special you're, you're a unique person you're you're hardwired a certain way to actually be able to say like oh I'm going to go towards that what was mm -hmm. what was that and you've been singing your whole life I mean yeah I've been singing for since I could speak basically there was nothing else I ever considered doing with my life um, besides music so um, when I had the opportunity to go on tour with Rihanna, I, um, took it and she, she was kind of right on the cusp of like really blowing up by the time when I, when I took the job with her, um, it was right before they released the single umbrella, which is like her biggest for her first biggest song, I guess. Um, and so it was just, it was a really interesting trajectory to be a part of because when I first got the job, I would be like, oh yeah, I'm. I'm going to go on tour with this girl, Rihanna. She's she, and people would be like, Oh, who is that? And I'd be like, you know, she sings pond replay. And they're like, Oh yeah, 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 I know who that person is, you know? And then of course, by a year later, it was like, Oh my God, Rihanna, you know? So, um, it was a really interesting thing to, to be on the inside of looking out. And, um, like you said, you know, I think, imagining that kind of life for myself growing up and then actually being able to see it firsthand, but without the pressure being on me, right. Which was such a gift, I think, um, was very eye-opening and also very profound. And I realized that the kind of pressure that was put on this young woman is just totally insane. And, um, I just, 
thought, wow, I don't think, you know, if this is what it means to be that successful, if this is what I'm working towards, you know, um, pursuing this, the height of this type of career, then I don't think it's really something I, I want, which was kind of a wild realization to have, especially after that being kind of my goal for the whole life, for my whole life. And I think this is important. It is like, you've dedicated a lot of time in, into this craft and people, they, they go through this and you guys know this, even as entrepreneurs, you'll, you know, I did, I would dedicate time into certain businesses and not, not as long, let's say only three or four years. And you're in a scenario right now where your business works, but there are so many scenarios when you're an entrepreneur or you're going to, you think, oh, this is what I want to do. And you dedicate years and years and you actually, what keeps you there is the years of commitment, not that you're afraid to pull the cord. And so I, I think it's important, you know, when you say, hey, I dedicated my whole life. And when I really saw maybe what it was, um, I was I was willing to to pull out of it. I think a lot of people get stuck in things because they're like, I've spent 10, I've spent 15 years, I've spent five years and they don't know how to, to say, oh, and it's maybe not what I thought or I've changed or it's different or whatever. Yeah, I, I think you're so right. It's that time investment bias, um, right? And, and I, I think that what helped me in that, in that moment was really understanding, like kind of just going through an exercise of like, all right, what do I want my life to look like, you know? And does that align with the course that I'm on right now? And I realized pretty quickly after just kind of thinking a few steps further down the road um, that I wasn't on that trajectory, you know? And so um, I knew I needed to make a change early on, you know, while I still had, I mean, I think I think there's, it's never too late, right? You can always make a change. And since then, you know, we've changed our minds 1500 times about what we wanted, what we want to do and what we want to pursue. But, um, but yeah, I think that was really helpful, that exercise and just thinking, okay, what do I want my life to look like? What, what does a perfect day look like? And, um, and making sure that what I'm doing now is working towards that. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that it's scary for a lot of us. And, it's also maybe even the people around us, like they're like, well, what do you mean you're gonna not do that? Or you, you know, sweetie, oh, I, yeah. I, I paid for music lessons for how many years? Uh -huh. or I drove <laughs> you to whatever performance. I don't know, it's an interesting thing that I think people get locked into. Oh so, yeah. So Trey, when you, um, so your sister very very young, in yeah. her twenties, early twenties mm -hmm. was diagnosed 24. with breast, breast cancer. And um, I get that both of you were raised with pretty uh, healthy households, parents that were putting you in healthy food and things like that. But where did you get the idea? Because uh, me personally, I mean, I see the SCOBY, uh, you know, the mother, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. And I get she's going to fill the container, but I'm still, I don't know if I, what I would do with that, you know, <laughs> like, well, I don't know. So, I mean, yeah. So my, you know, the interesting thing about my sister's journey is uh, she went through radiation and chemotherapy and 12 different surgeries. I mean, it was just through the gauntlet and it really was to find some treatments that weren't available in the US where they introduced you know, the immunotherapy style treatments and new diet and kombucha and these other elements that um, I think that's where we saw it, things turn around. And so 
she was uh, adamant or, you know, she introduced me to the concept of kombucha. And, but ironically, to your point, the first experience I ever had was, was not great. I went and bought one off the shelf. I opened it up in my driveway when I got home and it exploded on me. It was overcarbonated. I tasted it. I poured half of it down the sink. Um, and I probably swore off kombucha for about a year. And, uh, but I was determined just based on the benefits I'd heard about and her, her uh, advocacy for it. And, and uh, luckily I was still living in Nashville at the time and a, a local shop was doing like a how to brew kombucha class one day. And I, I had nothing to do. I was off tour and I thought, okay, that'd be fun. Let's try it out. I never had interest in brewing beer or being a brewer of any kind, but something about it just drew me to it. And I started brewing it at home and found that if I used things like peach tea or like just different elements that I, that um, included less sugar, as you kind of alluded to earlier by not adding juice, um, it was a, it was a much different drinking experience and actually delicious. And the light bulb was really, Hey, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. All of my friends would drink this if they knew that it could taste great. Most people are used to it, not tasting great, but the light bulb was, Hey, it actually can taste great. And so therefore you would choose this over a soda every single time it, it beats it on every single metric. So um, that was a light bulb as well as, you know, the SCOBY is a value add ingredient that makes more of itself. And, and it's, it's just, that was like, that seems like a, not knowing much about business, that seemed like a good business, you know, uh, opportunity. And so when Ash and I started dating and we were talking about pivoting away from music, um, we started with very low ambitions, I should say, right? I mean, we were thinking, oh, we'll just sell our tea at farmer's market on Saturday. That sounds lovely. You know, we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll still tour and try and supplement income, but like be choosier about what we do and, and when we do it. Um, and that was really the goal. So, and I think the other goal was to fund our recording of our own record. <laughs> that was really, that was the, really the, the other impetus. goal. Um, so we started with low ambitions, but um, that's how I was introduced to it through my sister and how it kind of got to um, the starting point. Did you start to geek out? Like, you know, when you start to understand something a little more, like how to tweak it here and there, did you start to kind of geek out on it? So, oh, so absolutely. <laughs> In fact, um, one of the first things we did was we wanted to choose the absolute best tea. So we, we, we surveyed a bunch of black teas just from all different right. vendors. And we brewed just all these black teas. We, we set up our farmer's market tent in our front yard and, and had our friends come over and said, and did a blind taste test. And we said, look, here's what we've brewed. Just taste, which one do you pick? And um, hands down, these everyone picked this one tea and it was a local LA supplier. And so we ended up partnering with them on developing our flavors. And what was another kind of epiphany was, um, you know, something that you love about sharing your music with people is that you get that feedback and people saying, Hey, I love your music. And it res really resonated with me and whatever. That's very fulfilling. And, and what I found was that when people enjoyed our beverage, we got the same kind of validation and, um, and I got the same validation just sitting across from these, these tea experts, trying different teas and tasting different teas and that creative experiment that came with it um, was really fun. Well, it is, it's, it's sharing and it is a form of art, you know, I think it's absolutely, I mean, it's, it's food art, food, you know, chemistry. So, mm -hmm. uh, so you're at farmer's market, you're selling out, then you're going to local markets. I know you're in, you know, beautiful, I'm sorry, actually glass bottles, um, <laughs> you know, and when does, when do you guys sort of go, well, wait a second, maybe there's a little, there's some more horsepower behind this. 
how do you even know how to get your teeth into turning something like this into a business? Yeah, I mean, step by step, thank God for Google. Um, and to be, I mean, I, I, I feel like I, I'm grateful that we started a business in the internet age because, um, we really relied, I mean, anything that we had a question about, um, we could just Google it. I mean, there was, the answer was out there and it was available to us if we just knew the right question to ask. So, um, so we did a lot of our own personal research trial and error. We went, we went door to door. I mean, at a certain point, we were delivering hundreds of cases a day out of our red um, minivan. <laughs> and well, Trey was. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I was the kombucha guy. To a lot yeah. Of and um, so at that point, we thought, okay, I think that we could we could probably free up some of our bandwidth here if we outsource this delivery. So we brought on distributors, and it was at that point where we were like, okay, I think we're onto something. There's a lot of people who are really interested in this. You know, we were selling out all of our farmers markets. I think we were doing seven or eight at that time um, a week. And all of our friends thought we were totally crazy. They were like, wait, you, you were on tour with Rihanna and now you're waking up at five on a Sunday to go and hustle at a farmer's market. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it was so much time outside and it was like so rewarding to be able to um, speak to people in real life about your product. I mean, yeah. I, I think the, the farmer's market start was kind of crucial for us. I wouldn't recommend it for everything, but, um, for us, it definitely was. It's amazing to get that immediate feedback from your customers and be able to iterate on your product and improve upon it. Um, find the product market fit that way. How many, and actually, sorry. So early on, we, um, we did have some investor interest and that was one of the things that got our wheels turning being like, oh, other people are interested in this. This is, this could actually be a business, you know, and we didn't end up taking investment from them. Um, you know, it didn't it work out. We were way early. too small. They were like, how um, much would you want to raise? We're like, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars. They're like, <laughs> what about like 10 million? And we were like, what? <laughs> we we oh, had yeah. no idea. It's so much easier yeah. to get millions and millions than over like less than it's an interesting. Yes. It's so phenomenon. true. Well, you dodged, so true. You, you dodged that bullet though. That's good. Yes, I mean, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. How many flavors when you were at the farmer's market, would you, you know, would you have like a constant, like maybe a couple staples and then do some like, you know, seasonal ones or something more themed mm -hmm. or how are you doing it? Yeah, we had five flavors that were our core five. And then we would have, um, we would have like rotating experiment, you know, like mm -hmm. seasonal or really they were like experimental batches where we were like, oh, we're, we saw that this was in season. So we, we thought we'd play around with this different tea. Um, it was very, I mean, we did have five that we brewed all the time that people came to love and came to be their favorites, but we, we always liked to keep the creativity going with, with um, experimental batches. So do you, okay, so you, you grow the business and then you end up needing a commercial space that you get it. And I, I did kind of think it was ironic that you said, okay, we could have the space from like 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. And I was like, those are rock star hours. So here they are, <laughs> you know, now you're not like, you're, rock, you're not doing rock star things. Now you're doing like baker things, you know? It's like yeah. yes. these yeah. intense hours. <laughs> Um, and I, and I know you, you first stumbled into a situation where you leased a, a space that they really, it wasn't up to snuff and you had to 
you know, Trey, you had to get in there with some maybe friends and, and kind of get it right. And that costs money and time. I'm just curious when you're new at something and you're in a relationship on top of it, because that, that adds a whole other layer that um, is like, it makes it stronger. And it also, there's a fragility because it's almost like you're an open nerve to some other exact person next to you. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and so how do you guys individually at that time and, and, um, and then together as a couple go through that kind of stress, you know, what, what things were in play for you individually? And then, you know, were there things that you did as a couple? Because I often say people could go in their corners and lick their own wounds sometimes, especially, you know, in a partnership. And you'll even see this in parenting if something's going on with a kid. The tendency sometimes is to go inside. Uh, it's, it isn't to be like, you know, it's just harder. And both people are going through the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're dealing with like a money out and no money in and, you know, unexpected money out and it's a new venture and you're not, you're sure that you want to, but you're not sure how to, how did you, what were, what were some of the things that you guys were, you know, deal, how were you dealing with it? Well, I would just start by saying that we, struggled at first. I mean, like I think anyone would. And I think there was some naivete going into it. The, the, you know, you mentioned the kind of misadvertisement that led us into a commercial kitchen that cost us all of our savings. Um, that rocked us pretty hard. And, um, and, and it was not only the money thing that rocked us, it was, we had just come from the music industry where your whole reputation is based off being a good person and a good hang. And like, that's how you get work is like having a good reputation. And then all of a sudden we entered into this more like cutthroat quote unquote, just business world where people were just did not give a crap about their <laughs> reputation and would just were willing to screw you over. And that rocked us because we just never experienced anything quite like that. And it really kind of turned our whole worldview <laughs> upside down. Um, and we had to kind of grow up really quickly, I think. Um, and we did. And um, working together was a, a struggle until I would say we did a couple of things. One was we, we carved out a Sunday meeting where we, we talked about, we talked about work because it was always, that's one of the boundaries you have to establish. I think in a relationship, when you're in the household, you don't want to be getting into bed at night and being like, Hey, did you do that thing? Or what, you know, you don't want to be like doing dishes and saying, you know, whatever. So we had to establish sort of a, uh, block out a certain amount of time. And if, if something came up, we'd be like, write it down. Let's talk about it on Sunday. You know, we would make sure we sat down and did that. And that was an early learning that was really helpful. And then I would say, as we grew over time and over the years and the business got bigger and bigger. It was very, I think, fortunate that she, that Ashley and I, I think, have very different skill sets. And we we established that and recognized that earlier and just, just kind of made sure we protected our own superpowers. And like Ashley does all the marketing and creative and all the, all the um, visual aesthetics and everything that goes into that world, um, product development even. And I was more on the operations and finance and um, side of things. So we, we, it's only gotten easier, luckily, because we kind of have our own departments now that we, we manage and we, I think we fully trust and respect each other and, mm -hmm. and are allow each other that space. Um, 
but so it was really, definitely hard to establish that when you're a younger business. Mm-hmm. So really like trying to define roles, like, Hey, you've got this and I've got that. Not everybody's doing everything at once. Mm-hmm. And then what, what about the ability kind of not to take it out on each other? Right. Like you, when you think like, Oh, now we're into our savings and you know, what do you, where do you go inside to, to do that? Yeah. I mean, that is the question. <laughs> you know? I think we're still um, figuring that I out. I think we're still figuring that <laughs> out. But I do think that like, obviously we've, you know, over the past nine years of being in business together, we've definitely um, worked out a lot of things. Um, I, I would say, well, one of the fundamental things that is, is supremely helpful is meditation because it helps you just not get so attached to the um, crisis mode that setbacks can sometimes throw you into. And I think it's that it's that crisis mode when it's really the most difficult for us to like um, keep our cool and not be at each other's throats about whatever's going on, you know? Um, so I think meditation has been a huge, huge, huge help in like an individual meditation practice has been a huge help. And then also, um, carving out, I remember early on, even, um, us carving out time for play. Like we, we brought, um, we brought like a little football to the, to the kitchen. And so when we were working together at the kitchen early on, we would say, okay, let's just have a 20 minute break and let's just toss this ball back and forth and have some play time. Um, and that was really important in adding levity to the, what could sometimes feel very serious and like high stakes. And, um, so yeah, I'd say those two things were really helpful. And I mean, and like Trey said, carving out, um, roles because, what first, when we were first starting, um, we were both kind of trying to do all the things, you know, and at the same time. And so inevitably that would create problems because I would think he was handling something. He would think I was handling something. And then we'd be like, wait, no, but it didn't get done. And it's your fault. No, it's your fault. You know? So, um, carving out roles was very, and responsibilities was crucial as well. And just remembering that, you know, and just remembering that, like we're in it because we like each other. And so the playtime was really helpful. Yeah. Trying to remember that we set up this life, this is supposed to fuel our lifestyle and uh, a lifestyle being together, Mm -hmm. right. Not losing sight of that. You know, we, we work, the business supposed to work for us, not us working for the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think it's, it is always a wonderment when people can have a life together, start a business together. And then I'm always like, and how do you transition into like your romantic life? And um, because in a way that by tending to that, it does actually feed everything else that 100%. sort of it is so demanding. And I feel like that gets thrown by the wayside because it can mm-hmm. in a way it's like, oh yeah, well, we can, we could figure out how to have sex later, but you know, we have this meeting and I think it's a, a big mistake sometimes. And um, I always say, listen, it's not sexy, but you know, even if you have to schedule it, like if you go, Hey, we know there's an open window and um, especially you add kids into the mix. And uh, I know it's not like throw me on the table right now, but it's, it, you know, I don't know that when you live a life that's kind of everyone's moving in all these different directions that literally it's like, hey, there's kind of a window, you know, are you, would you, and then it's people. And it's not that it's not sexy. It's just, it's still connection. It's just like, yes, know? I think especially when the kid yes. comes into the mix. Um, <laughs> That's That's what baby, baby theaters are for so that you can actually have a sex life now and again. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially when they're little. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, um, it's so true. I want to, I want to uh, back up really quick because I think you guys had a really unique experience within your business, which is you shared a space with another beverage company, and you actually would share resources and. And both of you probably were more successful because of that. Maybe you could just share that story because I think we get so in, instead of that sort of bountiful mode, we're always in this, you know, scarcity, um, you know, mentality. And this is a really good example of like, hey, I'm so excited for you. You do what you do. Great. I'm going to focus on what I'm doing. Um, maybe you could share that accidental, you know, great story. Yeah. I mean, so um, Secret Squirrel is the company, they're a cold brew coffee company that um, we ended up sharing our kitchen space with. And we met at a farmer's market. And at first, um, we were both using the same bottle, um, the same 16 ounce Boston round bottle. And um, so we were like, Oh, that's weird. They we popped up next to us on shelf, I think one day. And, and we, we were like, like, Oh, man, that's a bummer. They're using our same bottle. But it's like, um, you know, so, but met them at the farmer's market, ended up like really liking them, really vibing with them, um, trading product all the time. And then when this scenario happened, um, where we spent all of our savings, our cash flow savings at, um, what was meant for cash flow, on this kitchen build out. And we really needed help. Um, we needed help paying for the rent basically. And it just so happened that they had been using the same commercial kitchen as us. We found out later different because they were there during the day. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were using the same kitchen, uh, commercial kitchen space and they were also looking to make a move. So it just really worked out. Um, and they ended up coming in on the kitchen with us and, and we split everything 50, 50. And because we were using that same bottle, we were able to buy in bigger bulk. And so all of us could benefit from that. And, um, there were just so many synergies because we were, we were in similar categories, but we actually had the same buyer usually at the grocery store because we were both refrigerated beverages, um, but we weren't competitors or we didn't see each other yeah, as competitors. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it really worked. I mean, we, we, we shared buyers emails, we shared brokers emails. We even um, collaborated on this merchandiser. We, we, we kind of basically shared a couple of employees who would go around and make sure that our sets were looking great on shelf um, because the person could go in and do two companies at once. And so we found so many synergies and, and that was so crucial in that period of time when we were so small and every dollar, I mean, every dollar still counts, but every dollar was just so precious, you know? So um, yeah, I almost don't imagine how anyone grows a business without something like that. I mean, looking back, like I remember thinking that at the time, just how does anyone how does anyone make it without something like this in place? And uh, it was another, it was beneficial in another way, which was they almost did everything opposite to us where they, they did get investment early on. They went into Whole Foods big and really early on and target, I think nationally very early. Um, whereas we were going door to door and building by like all these mom and pop coffee shops, just one after one and building, you know, this base of hundreds of these things. And I, not to say either is right or wrong. We just saw the pitfalls of, both really, and we're had a kind of a front row seat uh, to that experience. And I think that is why we put off raising any outside capital for so long, just seeing their experience with it. And, um, and we're, we're very choosy about that process. And, uh, but yeah, it was almost like just an almost invaluable experience. Well, it was, it was so good that even when you moved to a bigger facility, you both moved together, right? 
I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. maybe not the one you're in now, but prior to this one. That's which right. Yeah. I, I, I just think that's a really, a really great story because a lot of times, again, people are so like hoarding and holding and, and they don't realize like, if you do what you do well, there's space for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Right. And I mean, and as we've, and through this journey, as we've, you know, let go of that, that, um, keeping everything close to the breast, you know, like we're a part of founder CPG slacks now. And like the community is so, um, is really so giving and like, and so cool to be a part of. And, and as we've opened up and, and just met more people within this community, um, you just find more, um, it's, it's just more and more helpful. And it's so, it's invaluable really to even be able to commiserate with people who understand your journey and like, you know. Yeah. The secret squirrel, we used to call the office, the moan zone, because <laughs> it was just seemed like you walk in there. We were both just, we were like, Oh my God, this is happening to me today. And we were just, you know, it was so great to have the camaraderie and just shared yeah. experience. Right. Cause you, you feel like you're not the only one. And, and in a yeah. way that all that is just, it is part of starting any business. Uh, no one just hits it out of the park. And, and I think it's just really important for, for people to, to know that. So you're here. And I, like I said, I'm a customer. Um, the cans are beautiful, but the cans were, you know, a forced accident um, a little bit. And I would love to hear, I know that you had a sort of a deal in place that after a few months, eight months or something like that, it didn't work out. And here you are, you know, kind of with stuck with these cans and Whole Foods basically says it's the cans or nothing. And you're like, well, no, we're not in cans. We love beautiful glass bottles. Um, We're going to do a quick thank you to one of our sponsors and get right back to the show. Talking about Laird Superfood is probably one of the easiest ads I can do because I watched my husband drink coffee for 20 something years. And then in 2015, um, he and a friend of ours created by accident, a vegan plant-based coffee and creamer business. And now we've got tons of other products. We have hydrate products and greens and plant-based protein that doesn't upset your stomach. Imagine that. The taste is amazing. Trust me. I did all the taste tests in room temperature water. So we know how good this stuff is. We've got cacao creamer, one of my personal favorites. If you're trying to avoid sugar, unsweetened creamers. Remember, everything is vegan. It's plant-based, easy to use. And so if you want to get a discount today and try Laird Superfood, all you do is go to LairdSuperfood.com. That's L-A-I-R-D S-U-P-E-R-F-O-O-D.com, LairdSuperfood.com. And if you punch in Gabby2021 at checkout, you will receive a 20% savings. This product is something that I use pretty much every day in my coffee. We even have matcha. So let's say you're not a coffee drinker. You like chai, you like matcha. We really tried to bring you the best tasting with the highest quality ingredients, no artificial flavorings, um, and at the most reasonable price that we could. So if you've been wondering about Laird Superfood or you want to stock up on Laird Superfood, go ahead and head to LairdSuperfood.com and get your savings with discount code GABBY, G-A-B-B-Y, 2021. You know, when you you make something from the ground up, it's like your baby. And it's so interesting when you have to be willing, like your real children, actually, 
to be like, oh, I, I wasn't planning on that, but it seems to be better. Like, you know, tell me a little bit about the resistance to the can and then the kind of like, oh, wait, the can is a gift to us. How do you go through that process? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, humans are just so resistant to change, aren't we? Um, <laughs> so I had, I had a plan. I had a plan. Yeah, <laughs> I had a plan and I am such a planner. Oh my gosh. Um, I've had to, of kids and being an entrepreneur has had to have me let go a lot of that aspect of my personality. But um, yeah, I think, um, you know, habitually, I was just so used to drinking it out of a glass bottle. It was like, it was pretty, I could see through it and um, I could see how much I had left. I don't know, something about the glass was, it was kind of heavy. It felt like hefty in the hand. Um, You know, I just was really attached to it. And um, when like you said, we had this, this product that we were co-packing for a very large brand, which, um, we needed to buy a canner. We didn't previously have a canner because we only were operating out of glass bottles. And so we bought this canner and thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to like be our ticket. This is going to like give us all the cash flow we need to grow better booch in the way that we want to grow it. Um, and of course it didn't work out that way. Best laid plans. And, Um, that product went away and here we are left with this canner. But then, um, you know, as we started looking into cans more and more, we saw craft breweries were, were, were really going into cans and kind of leading that, that can charge. Cause I think prior to that cans were kind of associated with maybe like a lesser quality product or, um, and that's kind of what I thought about them personally. And, but when I saw some of my favorite craft brews, like um, Golden Road Brewery, who's like very close to where we live, um, was going only into cans. And we started looking at the, the benefits of it. It preserves the product perfectly. It's, it's airtight. It's no, absolutely no UV rays get in. Um, and, you know, the infrastructure for recycling um, for aluminum in the U.S. is robust, and actually, it's the most robust for any material. So, um, there's habitually they're actually seventy percent more likely to be recycled than glass bottles. And for me, when I heard that one, it kind of blew my mind, and I was like, okay, I think I could get on board with this. Trey was Trey was really pushing for the, for the cans ahead of yeah. that. Because um, we saw it, we saw it work in, in in craft beer, and I thought I kind of always associated kombucha and thinking that it could follow in the footsteps of, of craft beer because it's such a craft product, and almost people I don't think rec- people recognize how much or how similar it is to something like a craft beer, and but it was too early when we launched the private label product. It just it was 2017, and the I just don't think the customers were ready for kombucha in a can, and mm-hmm. so when we did have that meeting with Whole Foods. We had thought we had learned that lesson. And when they said, yeah, we want, we want to do better booch in a can. Um, we were like, no, you don't, you, you want it in the glass bottle, believe <laughs> us. And they were like, nope, um, it's, cans are nothing. And they were right because as soon as we launched whatever it was a year later, you know, when we hit shelf at Whole Foods, um, the market had changed and we were overnight the third best selling kombucha all of a sudden at Whole Foods. And um, it's just kind of been a rocket ship ride for the cans um, since then. Well, I, I appreciate your price point. I also think, cause see, I, we have a, we have a business and um, you know, we always talk, we have our own factory and we had two and a half years in, we had our own factory. And I was like the, our other co-founder, I'm like, he, why is he doing first of all quality, but also then we could keep price costs down. 
And mm-hmm. you, and I understand that kombucha, there's more SKUs available, but you guys really have a really fair re- attainable price. Um, so between the sugar and the price, I was like, Oh, I'm going to check this out. And listen, let's face it. I'm a consumer. I see pretty colors. I'm like, Oh, I wonder what that tastes like. And it, <laughs> it works really, really well, uh, you know, on the, on the shelves. And, um, okay. So I, I want to just, um, get your take a little bit. Cause then people think, Oh, six, you're doing more and you're selling more, but maybe you could just sort of talk about scaling up and operations because this is a whole other beast that I don't know that people, unless they've been down the road before understand, maybe um, give some of your tips about um, navigating through that landmine a little bit. I'll take that one, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like we've done, we, I think we're in the middle of our third blitz scaling endeavor, which, you know, is a Reed Hoffman term. And we've definitely been through these troughs of sorrow um, as well through scaling that I think Elon Musk called the model three scale up, you know, production hell. And it, it can really feel like that um, when you're blitz scaling. And we, you know, we, after the um, first private label product, we launched a, another bigger brand came and approached us and we, we focused for a minute on their product line and launching it for them. And it was another Herculean feat that we planned for nine months. And then when it came time to launch every, I mean, it was Murphy's law. Every single thing went wrong. I I felt like I was waking up and going to just get my ass kicked at work every day. Um, until, you know, and we, our baby, our son was just born. I was going to say, you're you're now married, you get married during this and you have a son who's three now, but this was happening when he was a small baby. Right the month after he was, was born, born, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're not sleeping to begin with. And then it was just going in and, and every piece of equipment failing, you know, going back to Elon Musk, I always like to joke like that my car can drive me home autonomously, but they can't make a, a hundred thousand dollar machine that puts liquid in a bottle, you know, okay. um, correct. I don't, I just, that, I, that still blows my mind. Right. <laughs> so it's, um, I don't know how they, they haven't figured that out, but every, Beverage can be very finicky and um, you have to control every single variable. And that's what makes it really tough to get the quality you want. Every variable has to be controlled. The consistency has to be perfect and nothing usually goes right. Um, so we've, you know, we have learned a ton. I've, I call those experiences our beverage boot camp experience because I feel like we really earned our stripes and our operations team now, they're like Navy SEALs. And they honestly, we've all been through the, in the trenches together. And um, the next product line we've launched and every, every single one since that really tough one has been damn near flawless. Um, so we've, we've certainly learned a lot, not perfect, but um, it is not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Don't assume that anything will go right. I think that's probably the biggest piece of advice. Like do <laughs> not assume if you're, if you're making plans, just assume that they're going to go wrong and then like try to plan for that. But you know what, if you're, if you're starting out entrepreneur and you're listening to this, uh, don't listen to us. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad no one told me that when we started and no one told me how hard it was going to be. Cause I never would have done it. <laughs> so just do it and, you know, learn for yourself, but you'll figure it out. Yeah. You'll, you'll get through it. You'll figure it out. I think it's really important that people do, especially if they're genuine. I think if you're starting a business, cause you go, I'm going to make lots of money. And I'm not saying that, 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 that doesn't work, but I actually think you better really love what you're doing. Uh, because mm-hmm. 
Because that is ultimately when you were at the farmer's market and someone was like, I really love this, or I love the way it makes me feel after I drink it. Those are actually all the things that are built into why you're like, no, I want to keep doing this. Cause if it's, I think, and not for everyone, but I think mostly if it's, if it's just this idea of maybe a dollar on the other side, I don't know that that has the thrust power that yeah. like, you won't make it. I guarantee you won't make it there. I mean, we had periods of where I had that exact thought was like, I was like, lucky. I love what I do. I mean, luckily we love this product. We have this mission to bring kombucha to more people. I mean, that's the reason behind the price point you mentioned. That's the reason yeah. behind, that's our whole mission is opening up the world to kombucha because it's so underrated and underserved and understood or, or not understood. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's, hundred percent true. And there's a lot easier ways to make money yes, with so much true. less pressure. I mean, you could just go get a job and work your way up. I mean, like it's, it, there's so many easier ways. But I don't know. See, it's funny though, because I just in speaking with you guys, it's like easy, easy, you know, I don't know. Is that really the fun yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> So um, before we, we get off this, because I want to talk a little bit about the, you know, your work with City of Hope and things like that is, um, and I, I do think this is important, uh, Trey, is you talk about, um, you know, hiring people, you know, um, it's really, you, you said it really beautifully. And one of the things I was listening to where you talk about, oh, you have, you know, family and friends initially because they, you just need some hands and you need some manpower. Then you get somebody who kind of can do the job. Um, they don't, maybe don't have the experience. And then maybe with where you're at now, you, you discuss like paying for and hiring somebody with experience and that how that's worth it as you, as you scale up. And there's an interesting thing when you start a company of like the romance, like remember when we were all together and then we did this and, but growing a business, that is not that. No. Um, there, yeah. There's another Reed Hoffman point about like early startups attract pirates. And at some point you have to convert the pirates into sailors. And that's a really tough thing to do as well. Right. But to your point about like hiring up uh, one of our mentors uh, who started press juicery, another great beverage company mm -hmm. told us fairly early on at stuck with us is um, good people pay for themselves. And when you're not paying up for experienced people, you do pay for it in other ways. You know, you, you are paying for that person's experience and their mistakes and everything else. And at some point the, the cost benefit, you know, reward just, it, it doesn't make sense. And, and you find, I, it, you know, it, you don't have the luxury typically early on to hire the experienced person. Um, right. So that's just part of it. But then once you are, or, and, and, and every time we've done it, it has been a leap for us at that time. You never feel like, you know, it's like having a kid, you're never like ready to hire like someone more experienced. We were like, we need someone more experienced. <laughs> we, we, we can't afford not to hire this person, I think mm -hmm. right now. And so right. it was always a stretch. And every time we did it, I feel like we were like, why didn't we hire this person way sooner? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Cause they, they do I, pay for themselves. But you have to almost like get, go through that beat up process to realize, to know the difference of like, wow, they make it a lot easier because you'd never know if you hadn't got banged around a, few, a little bit before to appreciate what skill set they have. Uh, I'm curious, do you guys like have official titles? Like what is, how do we break that up? Cause that's so. Yeah, know. we do. I mean, <laughs> by default, really. I mean, I guess I'm CEO. She's CMO. Yeah. Cause she basically handles yeah. everything marketing. Um, but, you know, being a, such a small business, it's somewhat silly sometimes, but um, it's, it's a grandiose yeah, title. 
because you'll you'll drive a forklift if you need to. That's a real that's exactly but right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, our our <laughs> I our love co- driving the forklift. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like it's straightforward. It's like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is a straightforward thing. Talk to me a little bit um, about you know this your work with the City of Hope and just you know what that means to you guys and and you know I think you know maybe going through this with your sister and a lot of people go through this. Um, you know, it's, it touches a lot of people. Yeah. So we found city of hope because, well, they are the only, um, research center that in the country that we found that was or one of two now that, um, was doing anything in the immunology space. And when we found out about their pro program and natural therapies is what it's called. It was mind blowing. And one thing we had really learned and it ties perfectly into our mission with kombucha is that these Eastern medicine philosophies that have been working for thousands of years um, never get the trials that they deserve, right? To be proven out because at the end of the day, no one owns it, right? No one can like profit off of it. It's a natural thing, right? And yeah, to your point, you know, it's cost millions of dollars to go through a clinical trial and no one's going to do that for something they can't own. Um, So when we found out that City of Hope was validating a lot of these things like, you know, mushrooms and blueberries and uh, so many other natural ingredients that were, that they're proving out to be non-toxic therapies for cancer treatment. Um, We wanted to support that as soon as we could. So we've been in partnership for a few years now and every, all the pros, a small portion of proceeds from Better Booch sales go to those clinical trials because they don't get funded in any, any other way. Do you guys, you look healthy, you're obviously healthy people do you have um are you vegetarian are you you know how do you have fine how do you within the midst of having a business growing a business having a family having a small child having another child happening on the way um do you guys have certain ways that you carve out time um individually to even have some kind of self-care practice well, I put my layered superfood creamer in my coffee every morning. I know that much. I'm not kidding. I love, we love it. Um, but no, we, I'll just say that we were, I'm, I'm a flexitarian. We were, I was a vegetarian at one point and this is just the entrepreneurial story where you're working so much that I just would forget to eat. And when you're vegetarian, I feel like you have to eat so much more often. So I just lost like so much weight. So I'm more of a flexitarian. Wait, wait. Ashley's like, I love when people do that. And someone in the room's like, oh, I'm so sorry that you lost so much weight. You know, like guys, oh, yeah. you know, guys like, <laughs> I just can't keep nice. the weight on. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so unfair. Um, yeah, we were looking at wedding photos um, the other day and he was- he, I'm like emaciated, yeah. He was so <laughs> like, skinny. It's the happiest um, time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were- we were- struggling at that point, but it was, it was very happy time. Um, yeah, I, we were, I was vegetarian while I was on tour. Um, and fortunately was a part of a tour that had our tour manager actually was also vegetarian. So he made sure that there was always vegetarian options at catering, which is often kind of a, a shifty situation. Um, but, and I, I always feel really great as a vegetarian. Um, being pregnant now, I have craved meat. So I've just, I'm just going with it. And, um, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing, but we try to, you know, we try to stay, um, we try to only do it a few times a week and, um, 
And, but also just having a kid, sometimes it's Annie's mac and cheese, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) I'll be honest, there's definitely nights like that where it's like frozen chicken nuggets and Annie's mac and cheese. And that's just the best we can do it on that day. Um, Yeah. But, but that's real, but that's real life. I, you know, I call it the mm-hmm. effort day uh, the effort days when your kids are little, you're just like, it's there just, yeah. that's, I, and I don't want to make a whole other meal. And he, you know, if my, if Laird was fed, it was like, yeah, fine. That's good enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah. yeah. It's like, I make all my baby food homemade. And then I'm like, Oh, okay, great. <laughs> that's good. I will yeah. say, and I know this is going to sound like, you know, crazy, but um, I will say that Ash and I have not been sick in nine years. We've never called in sick to work. And I, I attribute a lot of that to the kombucha, which I know I'm supposed to yeah. say, but I really do. I'm, I genuinely do. You're not making a claim. You're just sharing a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite flavor? Or is it a mood thing? I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a ginger boost mode right now myself. I, I'm loving that. It's just the mint and the ginger. I love ginger. So, and it's also like good for digestion, which is sometimes tricky when you're pregnant and yeah, I'm loving it right now. So that's what I'm drinking. Definitely cycle through them. But right now I've, I've been on a morning glory kick myself, which oh. is our, our top sellers, our peach tea. It's kind of the flavor that kicked it all off for us. Yeah. That's the one my, my 17 year old loves. She loves that one. Morning so people, yeah. people can uh, obviously find it at Whole Foods and I've got, I've seen it at Air One and I'm, I'm sure many other markets, but you're also selling it directly um, mm-hmm. online, which that's pretty amazing. Uh, so people can go to uh, betterbooch.com. Is that right? That's yes. Right. And, and, and the they can store. get it. Can they mix and match flavors and then just have it sent to them? So there is a variety case. We don't have okay. the... Um, we don't have the production infrastructure to do choose right. your own variety cases yet. <laughs> Working on that. <laughs> it's uh, very tricky, um, but, um, but yes, you can get a variety case and try out whichever one you want. And then um, we also, of course, sell each flavor in the nine pack individually. And there's a subscription option too. So you can kind of set it and forget it, which mm-hmm. is nice. That's good. I like that. So what is the when you're, you know, things are rolling and it's smooth and it gives you that space to dream about the next for the company. Um, you know, what's your today? Cause it'll be different if I talk to you in a year, what's sort of the dream for better booch? Well, we would, we are expanding nationally right now. That's really where our focus is. We want to bring kombucha, um, to every state in the country and, um, we're, we're well on our way. We just launched nationally in sprouts, um, which took us into some new areas that we weren't previously in like Florida and, and Georgia and, um, and a lot of the East coast we're, we're going into. So we're really excited to con- continue that expansion. We do have a couple new product lines up our sleeves, um, that we're excited to release in the summertime. Um, one in particular that, that we're very excited about. Um, and, yeah. I mean, just trying to bring as many people into the fold as possible. We, we, we're kind of on a mission to be a source of, um, accessible and approachable information for folks who are curious about, um, healthy food and beverage. And, um, if we can, if we can be the gateway drug of sorts, then, um, then we're doing something right. Yeah. Ashley likes to say, and I love this, that, you know, health and wellness, it's a continuum, right. And there's, there's a spectrum to it. And kombucha is just one aspect of it. Right. And that, that ties in, but if we can make that 
that choice, that really intentional choice of choosing something healthy like kombucha over something like a soda in your everyday life. Um, that's really our mission. Well, I think you're doing a, a beautiful job. And I, I uh, know that you guys uh, like to quote or you enjoy Marcus Aurelius amongst others. And um, when you're talking, you know, when I know Ryan holidays, you know, I, I just appreciate someone who's taking, you know, old ideas and bringing them into with a modern twist, but you guys were talking about like, uh, you know, sort of the traits. Do you remember what they were uh, when we're with that Marcus Aurelius was talking about with patience and courage when, you know, to do something of, you know, of meaning. Um, and I thought that was really beautiful. He, it, it, Cause you basically said, you know, like if it was easy, you know, more Everyone people would do it. Would do it. <laughs> so the, the traits were um, patience, courage, humility, resourcefulness, reason, God, don't lose the reason. Um, justice, <laughs> justice, and creativity. And I think sometimes we think, you know, creativity is without reason, and reasons without creativity. But you guys are really great examples of of um, of of mixing it all up. But also, I think there's another important part, which is this also found you. I think it's really important for people sometimes to realize that sometimes things find us. Um, and even though it's hard and it's hard work, it's weirdly for you. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, if someone had told us probably, you know, 15, 10 or 15 years ago that we would be doing what we're doing, you know, spending our days doing what we're doing, I would have been like, no, 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 you're talking about someone else. Um, so, but you know, we have such a wonderful full life. I mean, we have a beautiful family and we have, we, we, I mean, we talk about this all the time. We, we're, we get to drive to work and to, to our brewery and, and, um, you know, make this, this product that people enjoy and like really touches people. I mean, that's, that's all you could ask for, right? Really? Yeah. And you, you do have to be a stoic when you become an entrepreneur, right? I mean, we talked about getting rocked earlier with some of those experiences. And, uh, I think if you, make sure to keep that in check that the highs are never as high and the lower lows are never as low. Um, you can get through it and just about anything. And, and for an entrepreneur, that's, I think a very important philosophy to follow. Yeah. It's not that it gets easier. It's just that you get better at, at, um, weathering the storm. Yeah. And the storms exactly. And, and Ashley, maybe in the next few years, you can write a book because I, I think they need to communicate to women that if they're going to go into business and I say this a lot, um, it's, it, you know, cause they say, oh, we can have it all. And I, I think it's, yes, you can have it all, but not all at the same time mm -hmm. is also sort of saying, Hey, and by the way, if you want to be a business owner or a badass in a company executive and have a family, here's some of the things that you might, um, have to navigate because I don't think they equip, uh, females well enough. And it, and certainly, you know, Trey's picking up a load in a different way, but like, mm -hmm. if you're at home nursing, you're at home nursing and there's sort of no way around that. And in mm -hmm. a way, and I just feel like having a more informed dialogue for young women so that they can navigate some of the things that are ahead of them instead of being, well, it's not, instead of saying it's not fair trade as a nurse. Okay. Well, that's ridiculous. Right. Like right. that's not even right. part of the conversation. Fair yeah. or unfair. It's the, 
it is what it is. So what it is. Yeah. Right. So maybe, you know, when you come up for air, uh, in a few years, you, you can, you can write that book because I think that is a very interesting dance, um, that, that women that you just have to go through. And it's always nice when people ahead of you go, Oh yeah. Oh, you felt guilty or you felt bad or, you ignored your business or you ignored, you felt like you ignored your family for a minute. That's all part of it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And it's something I'm still navigating and continue to navigate and practice, you know, on a daily basis. I mean, especially thinking about, you know, adding another child to the mix, um, in the summer, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of responsibility, um, put on women and expectation really. And, and oftentimes it comes from within, right. Um, where, you know, we expect of ourselves to be the perfect mom, but we also expect of ourselves to be the perfect, um, you know, employee or like job leader, whatever, fill in the blank. And, um, and you're right. I love what you said about, yes, you can have it all, but not at the same time, (laughs) because, um, yeah, it's just an unrealistic expectation and, um, and it's okay to like, um, to, let your focus be in different areas at different times during your day or during your, during your week or month or even years. So, um, yeah, it's, that's such a hot one that I'm, that I'm definitely still navigating, um, to this day. Yeah. I just think that that is a thing to be navigated. And then like the more we can sort of empower each other and even your partner, because, you know, I've gone through that in my relationship where I've, I've said, I've said, told the story before I was, I don't remember which daughter I had and I was home and she was just maybe a week old and I was nursing and Laird was standing at the doorway of the bedroom and he looked at me and he was like, and in a way you kind of want to be alone. Like, it's like, it's cool, but I don't need you to like hang out like right now, you know, it's like yeah. more, more energy. And he's like, he's like, if I could nurse, I'd be, I'd be worthy. And then he, and then he went surfing, you know, and I was like, good for you. <laughs> you know, like, like, okay. okay. So I guess it's, you know, and then they, you know, like Trey can step in your son's three. It's like, Hey, I'm going to take him and run him, you know, yeah. you have, have a qu- peaceful moment. So I, I give you guys a, um, a lot of credit for, for doing it and doing it together. And, and um, I just wish you, you know, continued success and, um, people can find, they can buy the product at betterbooch.com. They can learn more about their product and really to understand what kombucha is. And um, where else do you want me to direct them to? Uh, yeah. I mean, betterbooch.com is a great place because we have a, we have a store finder, both a store finder and a store. So you, if you want to find it at a grocery store or a coffee shop or something near you, you can um, put your zip code in there or you can just buy it straight from us. Great. Well, congratulations. And, um, and I know Ashley about the glass, but the cans really, they jump out. (laughs) Thank you. I'm on board now. I'm on board now. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like rate, subscribe and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.